All right, we're going to do our, you know, usual intro question. And so I would love for you guys to just, it's a little biased, as you can tell. Um, but if you just would grab like one or two people around you. And um, the question is, what do you enjoy most about Renew, right? We should ask this question every Sunday, I think. Um, and then the second question is, what is the purpose of Renew? Why do we exist? You have to answer this without looking at the website. So I'll just give you guys two or three minutes, and then we'll jump into uh, the text today. All right, thanks so much for sharing. Um, if it's your first time here, I'm sorry about how like, irrelevant this question is. We usually, it's usually more fun and dark. So, um, But yeah, anyways. Uh, we'll be, today, you know, first Sunday of the year, 2016, I wanted to spend some time just talking about the history of Renew and also uh, the vision of Renew, where we're going. So it's a little bit of a vision Sunday, so we'll spend a lot of time there and some time in the text as well. We're going to be going through the book of Philippians over the next few months. And um, when I think about Philippians, there's just so much that mirrors, I think, where Renew is. And that's why I chose the book, because I feel like it's, it's a really good space for us to have conversation. As Paul's talking to the Philippian church, I just think there's so much overlap and things that we can learn and become and things that we are and, and that resonate with us um, as Paul talks to the Philippian church. Maybe the first thing that I think about is how the Philippian church got started. So if you look at Acts chapter 16, 9 to 38, we're going to go into different parts of this text um, over the next few months as we go through the book of Philippians. But Paul, he's just picked up Timothy, um, one of his closest disciples, and he wants to go to um, Asia Minor. He wants to go east and continue to minister to the churches he started and, pick, and start planting other churches along the way. But as he's moving in that direction, it says that the Holy Spirit stopped him. He, it, it, it's almost like the Holy Spirit forbid him to go in that direction. So I imagine Paul and his, and his friends just kind of stepping back and asking God, where is it you want us to go then if we're not supposed to go east? And then he gets this vision as he prays about a man from Macedonia who is asking Paul to come and asking him for help. And I, I wonder if, if this man is a real man who's praying and God just kind of like FaceTimes them. You know, like Paul's praying and this man's praying to God and he just kind of like enters into a Skype, you know, Google chat together. And so, but anyways, Paul gets this vision of this man praying and he's like, okay, we're going to Macedonia. It's, it's where Greece uh, is located now. And the Romans are taking over Macedonia. And it's a very patriarchal, or sorry, patriotic, patriarch, patriarch, patri, yeah. It's like really like hardcore Roman. So the Roman soldiers kind of took it over. Um, but a lot of them retired there. So it has kind of this like throwback to Rome. It's like this mini Rome, that area. And the first place that he passed over, passes over is Philippi. So he walks into that city and he does what he usually, what he usually does is he looks for Jews. 
And he goes into synagogues and he starts preaching to the Jewish people because they have this whole backdrop of prophecies about the Messiah. And he goes and he talks to the Jewish leaders and tells them about Jesus, how he is the Messiah. But in this, in this city, there doesn't seem to be a lot of Jews. So the Jews that are there are gathered around this river and they pray there. And that's when he meets Lydia. She is... Um, she believes in the gospel. She receives Jesus, and her and her whole household gets baptized right there. She's kind of like a, a fashion designer, high-end. Um, she dyes clothes into purple. Purple is kind of the, the color of royalty at the time. And immediately, he invites her into her, her home, and they start launching a church from there. And maybe one of the first things I see about um, the Philippian church that resonates with Renew is just that specific call into a place, right? God kind of blocks Paul from meandering into Asia Minor and, and redirects him into Philippi. I remember in 2009, I was praying about, about um, starting a church. I, I had dreamt about it my whole life, but that year I went to ma into major depression, um, broke up with my ex-girlfriend, failing seminary, uh, butting heads with my senior pastor. I got sent to Singapore by him. Uh, I called it obedience school, you know, like you would send your dog. And um, so I was there, and, and, but it was such a healing time. I got to remove myself from everything that was, um, that was not going well in life. And after healing, I remember just being willing to um, plant a church. God kind of put down my heart and told me that this is the year you're going to take your first steps out of the church you are in and into planting. And I told God I would go anywhere he wanted me to go. And um, I had met a, a many people from China at this school, and there was just such a, a love for God, such a willingness to sacrifice, such um, incredible stories of revival. And I was like, God, why don't I jump into China? You know, like, I know some of the language. Uh, I took 15 years of Chinese school from elementary through college, and I could write my name really well, and not 1 through 10, and uh, I forgot how to write 8, right? So 15 years of Chinese school got me that far. And then, um, but I could blend in, you know, like, maybe I won't be flagged as easily. And I have a seminary education, so I would be able to contribute something as well. And as I was praying about China, God, God kind of stopped me. And he said, I want you to plant a church in a place where you can make more of an impact in China than planting a church in China. And so I started praying again, and, and I had done two and a half years of ministry on Skid Row about twice a week. Um, and some of, a lot of the church members went with me. We did soup kitchen, um, and then I started to preach to about two or 300 people, the men's and the women's side, and pray for them. And then they like, adopted uh, me as a staff member, uh, gave me a card to their facility. I could pretty much go in and out whenever I wanted to, and to every floor. And then we started taking care of the kids. I had this vision of doing Sunday school with them and helping them with homework and mentoring them. Instead, it was more like a zoo, and we were like human monkey bars. And like the whole time, it was like chaos control and kids climbing on top of us. So that was fun. So there was like two and a half years of that. And, 
And by the end of that time, I knew a lot of people in that homeless community. I could walk down uh, Skid Row and, and be able to uh, say hi and, and hang out with people. And, and I had this vision of like doing a homeless church. Wouldn't that be cool, right? So I'd be like on, the, on Skid Row and, you know, it would be all homeless people and hang out with them in their tents and sleeping bags and like come out, like hear a sermon and let's do small groups, right? It was just like so cool and a little naive. And, um, and um, God said the same thing. He said, I want you to plant in a place where you can have more of an impact on Skid Row than planting a church in Skid Row. And so I came back home a little confused, um, told my pastor about this vision to plant. We ended up parting ways. And um, Pastor Ray, he picked me up from church planting class. It was my last class. That's where I met Paul. Sat next to him, told him I wanted to plant a church in three months. He looked really concerned. Um, like, I wouldn't do that with you. And then, haha. And then uh, he introduced me to Pastor Ray. And Pastor Ray um, took me and a lot of my friends into his church, and we, I was mentored by him for four years. And during that time, God started opening up Fortin and showing me in, in precision and with intention how this, would to, to, this was going to be the city in which we were to plant. And he did that by opening up these mission fields. I would say he called me to be a missionary to Fullerton before he called me to be a church planter, before he called us to be a church, a church plant in it. And so the first place he called uh, me and my wife to was Cal State Fullerton. We launched Epic uh, about five years ago. A crew had been there. Jonathan Whitmore mentored me. And he prayed for Epic for about two years. And then that year, that fall, they were going to launch it. And right before the launch, two weeks prior, I kind of showed up totally lost and confused and uh, met up with him. And he's like, hey, I think, you know, you should launch Epic with me. And I was like, well, um, sure. And then Kim jumped on board and it became this really amazing ministry um, as we partnered with Crew. We saw so much of Cal State Fullerton um, being reached for the gospel and baptized a lot of people and um, seen a lot of people come to faith through that ministry. And it, it's really become a model, I think, for what Renew would be later on. And then secondly, uh, two and a half years ago, me and my wife, we heard about this apartment life ministry that Paul uh, actually talked about with me. And, um, and so I remember trying to hunt down the recruiter that Paul was talking to as so I was texting him for his information. And I went to a pastor's uh, luncheon as I was like texting Paul to meet up with the recruiter. And the recruiter ends up sitting at my table, right? So I'm like texting his phone, <laughs> and like, we're next to each other, and um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, his name is Matt, and um, we started talking about apartment life, and God just really moved my, my wife and I into that ministry, but we, we have about 15 apartment complexes from like the southern part of OC all the way up to like Northridge, okay, we have like 15 apartment complexes in that, I don't know, 100 mile span, and the one that opens up for us is right across the street um, over here, as you all know, and right across the freeway from Cal State Fullerton. And so we spent two and a half years there. And a lot of you joined with me in ministry uh, in that space. And again, God just kind of opened up all these opportunities to uh, minister to people, to love on people, to become 
family with, uh, with my neighbors, uh, with our neighbors. And then um, TPC Joy ends up um, plant, like moving their church to uh, this Presbyterian church right off of Bradford and, and Madison, which is like two blocks away. And we're, we're working with them a little bit, but things don't work out. And like four days before our preview service, I'm looking at Katie, and we have no space, right? We have promoted this preview service. We did this, like, forward to missions thing. And then God plops us right next, right here, right next to our apartment complex within four days. It's really difficult to find a space. Me and Paul, we, like, canvassed all of well, what I felt like was all of uh, this area, and no one wanted us there. And then all of a sudden, God places us in the one structure that's central to Cal State Fullerton in our apartment complex. And, you know, when I tell this story to other church planners, they're just like, dude, you're a genius. Like, how did you strategically plan all of these things? And for me, I'm like, no, God just said no to things, and then he said yes to other things. But it's with such, like, deep intention that we're here, that we have the platforms that we have, that we're in the space that we're in. And... And as, I, as we started planting this church, God just kind of gave us this vision of being a mission team, you know, uh, primarily to this space. And we started bringing in all these people, all of you guys, to partner with us in like a thousand different ways, on the campus, in our neighborhood, and in other spaces as well. And I think when Paul looks back and, um, and talks about his and remembers the Philippian church. This is his introduction, and, and uh, it's typical of Paul to just kind of like, and of the time, to put your name up first in the front end of the letter, and that's what he does. And one of the themes of Philippians is this idea of humility, this idea of putting others above yourself. And Paul does this right at introduction. He, he greets them, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, so he's talking to, about himself as a servant, and he puts himself in terms of power under the Philippian church. He calls them God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, and then he acknowledges the, the elders, the overseers and deacons. And right, right away, Paul exemplifies a lot of the theme of Philippians that he would be um, expositing to them. And then, um, grace and peace to you from God our Father in Christ Jesus. And then we hear the tone in which he speaks to this church. And that's, what I, that's where I resonate with the most. Um, a lot of the epistles that Paul writes, he's like angry, he's corrective, he's, um, he's like calling out legalism, or he's calling out these gross sins in the community. But with the Philippian church, there's this like tender affection um, he, Philippians is obviously like his favorite church, you know, like his favorite child. And so he speaks to them in that way. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of gratitude in how he speaks to the church. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. Every time I remember you, I thank God about, for you. In, in my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, 
since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, long, how I long for you um, with the affection of Christ Jesus. So he's just like vomiting rainbows and hearts all over them, right? He's just like, like hardcore loving on his church. And when I think about Renew, there's so much of it that I love. There's so much of our community that I'm excited about. I, I think that we, we feel this with Paul, that there's so many people who love this church that are a part of it. You, you have become my family. Uh, we've become each other's closest friends for some of us. And I think about our college group, like we built this church on your backs, you know, like you were the ones to put this church together, whether it's children's ministry or ushering or, or the worship team. And then when we started our young adults group, it was like really small. It was like five people. And that was blossomed into like our, our small group of 35, right? And everyone's like crammed into this little space. And you have taken up so much of the leadership of the church now and have become um, some of the best leaders I've ever worked with. And then we have our families that are super special. Um, you know, every family that we have here, the engaged couple, I think that there's just a really unique calling that our families have to be a part of this church that you want to serve and you're willing to be missional and not to turn inward. Um, and then I'm really thankful for the kids at our church. You know, like, they just bring life to our community. And every time I hear, like, a baby cry or fuss, I, there's, like, this big smile on my face because there's babies, you know? And then after Sunday, this is, like, their playground, and we chase them around. And, and I think that the kids are as great a gift as any other part of our church. I, I love the diversity here. I love being able to enter into other cultures and, and hear your stories and, and know that we're able to reach a broader and be more missional because of the diversity. And I love how we care for each other. You know, the greatest gift of Renew isn't the Sunday service, but it's how we are friends and how we want to help each other and how we will sit with each other through uh, bouts of depression, through anxiety, through broken hearts, that we're able to um, be there and serve one another. And so Paul, he's looking at the Philippian church, and there's just so much joy and thankfulness. Um, he's like remembering how he met, you know, Lydia, how he met the prison guard, how he met this demon girl, and they somehow was this like weird mesh of a church plant. And then I, when I read this text, I can't help but think about how I met so many of you guys, you know? And I remember when Dexter and Justine first came to Renew, I felt super insecure because I wanted them at our church so badly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm like, there's a lot of great churches out there. And, um, you know, it's kind of like going on a first date, right? And, like, she's, like, super awesome, and, and you just feel insecure. So that's how I felt about Dexter and Justine, and so many of you guys, you know, I just like wish, I just wanted you so badly to felt, feel called to our church, and, and as I look around the room, there's so many of you that I prayed for, that I remember having coffee with, that I asked, that I shared vision with, and I was like talking to God, please um, call them to this church, and, and you're sitting here, you know, and there's just so much 
uh, joy and thankfulness as I think about Renew, as I think about the community that we are. There's nothing I would, there's, there's nothing I want uh, us, there's nowhere I would want us to be than where we are right now. But I also think about why Paul is joyful. He says, like, I remember you. I'm thanking God all the time. When I pray for you, there's joy. But it's because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now that he's thankful for them, uh, for this community, because they're doing something together. That the community isn't brought together because of ethnicity or common interests or personality chemistry. It's brought together because there's a mission. It's brought together because there's the gospel that they're all wanting to advance. They all see the mission of God, and that's what's drawing them into family. That our familyness and our community is built around doing something together, right? There's like um, the sitcom Friends that we all love and How I Met Your Mother. And they're friends because they hang out. They're friends because they enjoy being together because they get to swap stories and share a beer after work and, um, and like play, right? It's like play friends. But then there's other friendships. Um, and, and I think this other category of friendship is what Paul's talking about. There's other friendships like Frodo and Sam and that elf, right? And, and uh, the wizard guy, right? And, and uh, all these random people that are brought together to defeat evil for a mission, for a purpose. There's friendship like the Avengers and all these superheroes that come together. They have personality clashes and, you know... Um, um, like Iron Man's going to beat up uh, Captain America in the next movie, right? So there's like, there's these conflicts. There's, there's all these things that, that, that should make them not come together, but they are together because they're trying to do something. They're trying to accomplish something. I think about the strongest friendships that I've seen are forged in the army on the battlefield because they're doing a mission and they have to rely on each other. And there's something beyond their friendship that they're going towards, and that's why they're friends. And I think that's what Paul's saying, that he loves the community that is being built. He loves this church. He loves the, the, the love that they have for each other, but he's thankful and he's joyful because they haven't lost sight of the mission. They haven't lost sight of the gospel. They haven't lost sight of what they're to do as a community. And when I think about our last, uh, couple, our last year and a half or a couple years together, you know, Epic and Crew come up over and over again as what we've been doing as a church, reaching Cal State Fullerton. Uh, I remember when Philip first came in to Epic and he asked if he could disciple people. And I asked him, oh, how come you want to disciple people? And he said, it's because I'm a part of a cult. <laughs> um, he was a part of uh, Alpha and Omega um, and it's this well-known cult. They're super controlling and all of that. But he, he was a uh, Buddhist, and that was the first group that invited him in. 
And, you know, I wanted to kick him out of Epic, but God said no. And then um, I was like, but he's not going to be very useful. But God said no again. And then I pulled, um, I pulled uh, Philip aside and Patrick, and we had this conversation about why he's in a cult and w- what is a cult and how he can come out of a cult. And then a couple months later, he becomes a part of the Epic community, and he starts inviting, like, 30 friends, Right? And a lot, all of them show up to retreats and meetings, and, and I just sit back, and I'm like, man, this guy that I wasn't valuing at, at the time, God knew would be important to Epic. And all these friends that came to Epic would have been at the cult if uh, we weren't in, in that campus together. And then a couple of years later, Carl's going through a hard time, and Philip's able to enter into his life and invite him to renew, and, he be, and we were able to baptize him a few weeks ago, and he becomes part of our story. And this partnership, you know, so many of you um, are a part of this church as partners uh, for Crew and for Epic and for this vision that Jonathan has where when people are walking to shake hands at, with the president at graduation, that each one of them would have heard the gospel. So many of you guys are here because you're partners at the apartment complex uh, are for our neighbors, or you are a neighbor. And, and we've been able to reach so many people there together as well. I think about Nina as Dr. Molecule, which is, she was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. Um, and we did this VBS here, and 35 kids from the neighborhood came in. Um, one of the dads, he is from Saudi Arabia, and he's Muslim, and we've been able to build this great relationship. He has this super friendly and warm smile, you know, just like someone where they, when they smile at you, you're just like, oh, we're friends, and I can share all of my, like, secrets with you, right? He has, like, that kind of smile, and so I, I went over, and I was like, we're friends, and then we became friends, and we waved to each other, and we talk, and then we invited him, uh, his kid out to VBS, and we told him it was Christian, because I knew he was Muslim, but he came, and his kid came, and he ended up watching Jesus rise from the dead five times in cartoon form, and then he told me he checked out Renew's website, listened to a sermon, and we had this deep discussion about the woman at the well, and then the next week, I took him out for lunch right before he went, to, went back to Saudi Arabia, and we shared, uh, was able to share the gospel with him. But it's because of all of you guys who volunteered at our crazy slide and, like, Katie making cotton candy for four hours and, you know, Ken Wu uh, making burger event. And then we put on this huge thing together at our church. And then I asked Yasmin and Miriam to share their story. Um, three years ago, they were international students here, and we met them at the apartment complex, and we invited them into an international lunch for Thanksgiving. And them and about six or seven other international students came in, and we just, we just served them and made turkey and Nina's amazing mashed potatoes. And then we invited them to church, but uh, they never came. Um, they had a Muslim background, and then... And then our church continued to invest into them. I remember Grace, you know, taking them out for ice cream and stuff and other people building friendships with them. And then all of a sudden, their mom finds this underground church and she tells them, hey, go find Jesus. You're in the U.S., you know, it's, it's easy for you. 
And so they call me and they ask me when service time is. And then they come to our service and Patrick was preaching. And that same Sunday on the screen, the first slide is, who is Jesus? Right? Her mom, their mom said to go find Jesus. And the first slide is, who is Jesus? And then in the summer, we had one of the most beautiful baptisms. We were at Corona Del Mar and we decided to go to a more secluded part of the beach. And as we go, like the seal pops up and waves and smiles at us, you know. And then the clouds clear and the sun is like shining through. And as I baptize them, there's like extended family on the cliff, right? People who aren't a part of our church just watching this baptism. And as they come up, there's, we clap for them. And all these other people that we don't know are clapping and cheering as well. And it just reminded us of how big and extensive God's family is. So where are, where are we going as a church? Um, you know, I think about our, our name, Renew. And as you guys know, it comes from Revelations where God says, I am making all things new. And I think about when Jesus' prayer, when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I would say as a church, that's what we're all about. We want to see God's kingdom unfold in the communities that he's, he's placed us in with precision. At the apartment complex, uh, in our neighborhoods, all around this area, in um, the schools around us, in our family, in our friend groups, um, God is going to use us to make all things new. And then he says, the work that I began in you, I'm going to complete it. And I think that's the perfect picture of Revelations, where Jesus is saying, I am making all things new. So he's doing it now, but then he's taking John to the fulfillment of it. And so in Philippians, he says, I'm beginning a good work in you. That when I walk around the apartment complex, it's just not me and Nina anymore. It's all of us. We've walked it. We've prayed it. You know, Catherine and Mike are here, and they love that community, and people in the community are here, right? And, and we have all these hands together now at, at the apartment complex, at, at, at Cal State Fullerton. And we've prayer, prayer walked it over and over again. And I sensed the difference. Like, I, I came from a charismatic church, and we talked about revival a lot. But it would just be a big prayer meeting where people pray really loud. And I walk out, and nothing's different. And then in, my, in this apartment complex, I remember when me and Nina got there two and a half years ago. And I would invite people to church, and people would look at me really, like, a little upset, you know, like, why would you, do, why would you do this to me, sort of thing. It's like I spat on them, you know, and just, it was just such a cold and, and like, hostile is too strong, but really, like, no one took it well. Let's just put it that way. I remember that first year where, like, everyone looked at me sideways. And then I, and then two and a half years later, like, it's just different. I remember cleaning up at an event, and walking back, and I think uh, Jordan stopped me, and he's like, hey, someone's looking for your church. And I was like, oh, and uh, here, give them this flyer, you know? And then um, this apartment worker stops me as I'm putting in chairs that same, uh, you know, 50 feet later, and she's like, hey, someone's looking for your church. I was like, here's some flyers, give it to them. And then, like, the last week, we were knocking on doors, and we invited this one couple to church, and she's like, me and my my mom were praying for a church right before you knocked on the door. And um, yeah, we want to come check it out. And she's pregnant, and so I'm like really excited about having our baby here. Um, 
And so, so many of you guys have stopped and had conversations with people at our complex. Like um, Patrick, he sat down with two other Filipinos at the Super Bowl and led them to Christ right there. And just as we pray, as we love, as we're present, I see a community softening. I see the seeds that merged with the dirt, like you can't even see it, start to blossom and bloom. And I start to see fruit. And I see all of you um, laboring with us. And I see Cal State Fullerton blooming, you know, both Epic and, and InterVarsity and Navigators and crew are just blossoming. Um, and I think when you sit with a place and you're willing to invest deep enough that, and you're not just kind of praying these prayers that you have no access to, no access point, but you're in a place and you're present, um, those are the fruit that matters. Those are the fruit that you get to see. Um, when I was, one of the groups that I really have a heart for at our apartment complex are kids that have been in foster care, but then age, aged out. And then there's this group called New Horizons, and they basically take these kids in that have aged out, and, and they, they put them in our apartment complex. They have like four or five apartments with these kids in them. And as long as they go to school or work, they're able to have free rent and food. And so there's this couple uh, that came to a lot of our events, and I've been always trying to like break into them relationally, not like punch them, but like be a part of their life, right? And, but it was always a little standoffish and cold. But one day, finally, I'm sitting at, with them uh, after an event, and we have this three-hour conversation, and they just shared their story with me, and it's incredible. I mean, the guy, his dad was a drug, was a drug addict and got put in prison, and so he ends up living with the drug dealer, who was really nice to him, you know, twist. And then, um, and, and it's, but it's like this drug house where people are, like, getting high, and he's, like, living there. And then... Um, and then the system finally finds him and takes him into foster care, and then he aged out of there. And then the, the girlfriend he had, she, she was talking about um, her parents being really abusive, so she's a runaway. And then, um, and now she's with this guy, with him, and they just kind of travel together. It's a really cute, like, movie that you could write up one day. But um, I talked to them about spiritual things, too. And she talks about how she, when she's scared or anxious or when she doesn't have enough, she'll just pray to God and ask him to help. And she's not even sure if he's real or who he is. And I was like, that looks like an open door to me. And then the guy has, like, a new age philosophy. And so I'm talking to this girl, and she's also sharing that she has anxiety. She struggles with anxiety. And recently, she has these panic attacks. And also that her parents were never legalized uh, citizens, so she's undocumented. And then I think about like, what it looks like to bring God's kingdom to a place, right? And I think, like, man, in God's kingdom, everyone's a citizen. And in God's kingdom, no one has anxiety. And what does it look like to build out God's kingdom in this one person's life? And so I reach out to Hiroko, uh, my favorite therapist, and I say, hey, would you meet up with this girl and, um, and help her with her anxiety? Just do a couple sessions with her and give her some tools. And I call my other friend who's an immigration lawyer. I'm like, could you like, work with her on her papers to get her documented? Because I think when we look at what making everything new means and what building God's kingdom means, it means that, that it becomes tangible. 
It means that people thrive. It means that people, when they're in God's kingdom, imagine God's kingdom being here, right? Everyone's healthy. Everyone's a citizen. Everyone is loved. Everyone has enough. Everyone is able to pursue their passions. And so if we're trying to build out God's kingdom, I think it looks like this girl who had a really hard life, able to beat an anxiety, able to become a citizen here. I, I think about um, someone who is in, our, is in our neighborhood and their kid is going to college for the first time and no person in their family has ever gone to college and they don't know how to navigate that and what it looks like for someone, for us to build out God's kingdom for their family and helping them be able to do the application process and, and learn the SATs and, and do those things, right? And so that's where I hope we go as a church, that every small group would be a mission team for a specific community and context. And as we interact and go deep in these communities, that we would, we would be able to meet people's needs and build God's kingdom for them in their life. That as they touch God's kingdom, they would desire to be a part of it. They would desire to receive the gospel and be a part of his family. Um, and so here's my idea. <laughs> and this has been on my heart for the longest time. I would love us to have just this huge like inventory of things that we can offer each other's friends and family and just each other and the community. We're on, on this note card that I passed around. Um, I would love for us to write our name, our email number, and think about how we can practically serve um, this community, the place that we reside, how we can practically build out God's kingdom. I was talking to uh, Catherine, and she was just talking about how there's families in our, in our community that just need babysitters. Um, they need people to drive them around. Um, but I also think about people who could use financial counseling or some type of health care or someone to just listen to them, like emotional counseling. Um, I think about if we would offer kids who come from immigrant homes whose parents can't teach them how to read or can't teach them how to do, do um, science, you know, and tutoring them, or a, the ability to share a meal, make a meal for a family, or help someone move, or, um, or offer a, a couch to sleep on, you know? And, and I, but also I think about like the places that we're most gifted in, the places that we're most educated, how we could offer our occupations to serve the community, how we can offer us being moms and dads and family to serve the community. And so if you're willing to, we just want to start in our small groups as a church to start having this database of, of services. Um, so that, you know, when a guy gets in a motorcycle accident in our complex um, and he can't walk for a few months, that we would have people visit him and dress his wounds and give him a meal. Because I think that's what kingdom looks like. You know, when someone is um, going through a divorce or lost a kid, that we have people who are willing to sit with them and empathize and, and be their friend. When we have someone who doesn't know how to do taxes or can't translate, you know, something for school, that we have people willing to translate for them. So whatever it is that God's placed in your heart, whatever he's gifted you in, 
I would love for us to just kind of write that down and commit to something. And I just imagine us as a team, right, being able to interact with someone in our family, in our community, in our friendships, and know that it's just not me serving this person, but I have a whole team around me with all of these gifts, with all of these talents that I can look up and bridge into this person's life to serve them. And, and that you get to do that as well. When you meet someone who we can serve as a community, you have this inventory of ways that we can bridge our community into their lives, into serving them. And I think ultimately how we reach China and how we reach Skid Row and how we reach another country is that we become um, a group of people who are living missionally and who understand how our occupations and our greatest gifts are able to be used for God's kingdom, um, who are just doing that on a local level. And then when Katie and Patrick plant a church one day, um, wherever they go, um, and they're like, hey, we need people who can build this person a house. We send all our engineers and our architecture people and our, and our construction guys over, and they build a place for them. Or they're like, hey, we, we're like suffering from this disease, and we need our medical people. And then we, we're already doing this in our community. It's already part of our lifestyle, and now we're just being an extension of that overseas. I think what's different about our church and what I want to be different is that we have a very specific vision of what it looks like to be missional. That's not just a word we toss around, but it's a, it's a place we could draw a circle around in a map. It's people that we say we, we were a customized mission team for this person. Um, last story, but there's this girl, um, let's see what time it is. Oh, that's really bad, but it's okay. Uh, there's this one girl, she calls my friend, um, and she's Indonesian, my friend's Indonesian, and she calls her, and she's like, man, my mom's suffering from schizophrenia, and um, I'm scared, you know? And they just kind of get connected somehow. And so my friend, she calls me up, and I call Hiroko, and the three of us go over and visit this girl who's in high school. And my friend is able to relate to her on a cultural level and talk her through things culturally and in terms of family dynamics. Hiroko is able to talk to her from a therapist perspective and give her resources in schizophrenia. And I'm able to come in and pray for her and talk to her about spiritual things and share the gospel with her. And a few months later, as we do follow-up, um, her mom's healthier, and, she's, uh, and also the girl, we are able to find a, another place for her to live so that she's able to help her mom not living in the same home, because her mom will bring guys over and, and do a lot of things like that. And I just imagine all of us, like, being able to say, hey, like, there's this need here, and I'm going to customize a mission team to meet this need. I'm going to customize people who understand that culture. I'm going to customize people who have that skill set. I'm going to customize someone who's empathetic, because I'm not, you know, or who, who's a nurse, because I'm not. And, and I'm going to build a mission team with specific skills for this person, and then God's kingdom is built out in this one person's life. And as they touch God's kingdom, because they're thriving, um, they may want to be a part of it as well. So that's what I envision, for all of us to feel empowered, that as we give our gifts to each other, as we release our gifts, that our community would be so rich in that our needs are met and, and it just overflows 
to the people around us. And as we see a need, it's not like, man, I can't do anything. But I look around and I see all these people I can pull in to customize a team with specific skill sets in order to serve this specific person. And, um, and lastly, we pray to do this in community. We pray that all of our small groups would be living this out um, as a group together. That was odd. Um, so um, what, what I'm excited about, about 2016, is that this is the end of the road for us as a church. I think we're staring down our mission. The fulfillment of, of, of Renew's vision is this. And it can be fulfilled as, like, with 30 people, with 100 people, with 500 people. It's not a people thing. It's like how we, it's a how we live thing. And I think this is the year that we get to stare down this vision and see it happen. And, and the next time I share stories, all of you guys will be part of it. You know, it'll be a mission team of Jackie and Kaylee and Heather serving this one person. It will be a mission team of Grace and Merrick and Kim serving this other team person with their gifts, with their, with their sacrifice. It will be another person where Tyler and Mitchell and Irwin are ministering to them or Eric and Daniel. I, I, I'm excited to share these stories in 2017 with all of you, a part of these customized mission teams giving your gifts in ways that matter most, in ways that build out God's kingdom. Let me pray for us. Uh, I think we can sing like a song and a half. Um, and as we do that, we'll take communion and all of those things. Um, but yeah, Father, we thank you for our time. And um, sorry for preaching so long, everyone and Jesus. Um, I pray, I remember... Um, this pastor praying for me, and, um, you know, he reminded me of the story of the pearl, and he said, hey, Wilson, you sacrificed a lot to plant, um, to have this pearl. Don't, don't forget why you did it. And so today, I just kind of commit to you, renew, and I, and I say that this has been a vision on our hearts since we started. Most of these people have heard all of these stories and all of these points like 15 times, um, but I pray that this year we see it happen in ways that, that are tangible, uh, in lives that we are able to see become part of your kingdom, in ways that will flourish the community around us. I pray for that, God. And I believe that this year we get to fulfill the vision of Renew. We get to uh, see the completion of it and then see it expand. So Lord, we just hand over this church to you and we pray, Lord, that, that we would love each other, that we would, there would be joy and thanksgiving as we think about this church because we are partners in the gospel from the first day until now. Um, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take communion together. And uh, leave, would you just leave your card at the communion table? And it's okay for you to take it home as well. We're going to be pushing these cards for the whole year. But if you feel like you've been able to put something significant down, we'd love for you to take communion, put the card right on the table.